You are listening to Supporting Supporters, a Change to Chill podcast. This is a free mental well-being resource offered by Alina Health. My name is Tanya Freeman. I'm a licensed psychologist and regional lead psychologist with Alina Health. These podcast episodes are aimed with the goal of providing quick, tangible resources and information from Alina Health mental health providers on a range of mental health topics relevant to day-to-day lives of the listener. We invite you to join us in any way you please, whether you sit back and kick your feet up, or as you engage in movement, your daily commute, or as you prepare for your day. However you choose to join us, we welcome you and we honor your time. Hi, and thanks for listening. My name is David Nathan, and I'm a licensed psychologist with Alina Health. I work primarily with boys and young men and their families on a lot of different issues they face. I feel very fortunate to be part of this project. Everyone in my family is a teacher. Both my parents were teachers in St. Paul Public Schools, and my twin sister today is a teacher at Johnson High School in St. Paul. It takes a special person to be a teacher. The fact that you're listening to this podcast demonstrates how much you care about your students and your work. Thank you very much for what you do. I hope this podcast is useful for you. Today we're going to talk about self-care fundamentals, how it works, and why it's so vital for all of us. To begin with, it's important to understand that all of us have a limited amount of mental energy. It's like a cell phone battery or a bank account. Our phones only work as long as the battery lasts. When they get to 0%, they're done. When our bank account is out of money, we can't make any more purchases. Thankfully, we can charge our phones and make money for our jobs, so there's power and money going into our cell phone batteries and bank accounts. Our mind and our mental energy is a lot like that. Just like our cell phone, they can run out of juice. Pretty much everything we do either takes mental energy from us or restores some mental energy to us. One way to look at self-care is as the process of making sure we have the mental energy left to do the things we need to do. It's critical that we do, and here's why. When our cell phones are used up, they turn off. When our bank accounts are empty, our debit cards are declined. With our minds, it isn't that easy. It's not like our minds will just turn off when they're used up. Instead, they're going to have various symptoms. The lower our mental energy is, the more frequent and severe those symptoms are. There are three main categories of symptoms people experience when they are low on mental energy. The first category of symptoms are what psychologists call internalizing symptoms. These are symptoms like anxiety, depression, obsessive thoughts, deep fears, things like that. We call these symptoms internalizing because they take place inside of our mind. These symptoms impact how we think and feel about ourselves. The next category of symptoms are called externalizing problems. These are problems like being irritable, destroying property, or getting into fights with other people. The last category of symptoms are called somatic symptoms or body symptoms. These are things like headaches or stomach aches or GI problems. Everyone has one or more of these symptoms when they get low. It's hard to say exactly how low someone needs to be before they start experiencing these problems. In general, if someone doesn't have another significant issue going on in their lives, such as PTSD or divorce or losing their job, where their mental battery is about 50%, we are going to start experiencing whatever symptoms our mind and body are wired to experience. When we're close to fully charged, if something big comes up, we're usually able to handle it pretty well because we have a lot of extra capacity still there. But when we get low, it can take very little to make us even worse. It's because we don't have much left. The lower we go, the more intense and more frequent our symptoms will be. Some people, when they're overwhelmed, they'll get one symptom from one category. They might get really bad headaches and that's it. Other people might get a combination of symptoms from one or more of the categories. These people may feel depressed and irritable and have stomach aches when they're maxed out. It's hard to predict how any one person is going to respond, and the predictors of how people respond to distress seem to be related to both genetics and the environment in which the person grew up. 
As a psychologist, when someone comes to me and tells me they feel depressed or having difficulties with anger management or they get really bad stomach aches and their doctor can't find a medical reason for it, the first thing I do is check on the stress in their life. I see the symptoms like these as smoke and the question is, where's the fire? Almost always, the fire is connected to a lack of balance between the demands in their life and their opportunities to recharge and relax. That recharging and relaxing time is self-care. Self-care is the time when our brain recharges its batteries and gets more money deposited into its account. It's essential that we have time to relax and recharge our lives. When I was in grad school, over and over, my professors would say, if your patients don't have these three things in their life, some exercise, a good diet, and decent sleep schedule, talk therapy isn't going to make any difference. They need those things. If someone isn't getting sleep, it doesn't matter how much they exercise or eat, they are still going to be tired. Today, I would say there's a fourth factor that's just as important as sleep, food, and exercise, and that's downtime. We need to have it. A common question I get from patients when we first talk about self-care is, how do I know what self-care is? How do I recognize when something is effective self-care? The answer to that is doing things that bring us delight and joy. Self-care is not doing chores or doing something that checks something off a to-do list, unless, of course, doing that something is something we absolutely love to do. Maybe doing laundry or dusting really makes us happy. It's possible. I've talked to people who love to sweep their kitchen floors or cut their grass. So for them, that would count. But for most people, there aren't chores that authentically bring us delight and joy just from doing them. Some people have a movie that makes them feel good, and watching it cheers them up. Or maybe they like going for walks or playing with their dog. Maybe it's spending time with friends and loved ones that helps someone restore their mood and makes them feel good. What self-care is, is going to look differently to everyone because all of us have different minds and different preferences. It's okay and healthy to have different things you find relaxing than other people in your family. Often family members do have very different things that helps them recharge. The key criteria is that the activity we do makes us feel better about ourselves and our lives. It brings us delight and joy. We need to have time to do things that makes us happy every day. You may have heard the story about parents in airplanes. At the beginning of the flight, the flight attendant says, if the plane cabin loses pressure, a panel will open above your seat and an air mask will fall out. If you are traveling with children, take care of your own air mask before you assist your kids. It's crucial that parents engage in self-care. If a parent is down, the kids are in trouble. And the same is true for teachers. If a teacher is burned out, their students are going to suffer too. I always tell parents that self-care for moms and dads is caring for their kids. That's true for teachers too. Self-care for you is taking care of your students. When I discuss self-care with parents, a lot of them ask me, when am I supposed to have time for this? My schedule's packed. And that's a tough question. We are really busy. And to that, I would say, whenever you can, try and make time if you can. At first, that might sound really trite or like a fantasy, but look at it this way. We take time to eat and sleep and move around every day. We need to have time to recharge too. We need to take care of ourselves. No one else is coming to do it. Lots of people come to us and ask us to give them our time and energy. They're often asking for more than they're going to give it back. Sure, it would be nice if someone came to us and said, wow, you really crushed teaching this week. Your students were really wound up and you nailed it. Have the school district credit card. Take your friends and family out for the weekend. Go get something to eat. Paint the town red. You deserve it. That's not happening. We live in a world where there are countless demands on our time and energy. We need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves because the requests are going to keep on coming. Other people are not necessarily going to swoop in when we need it and give us a break. We need to make sure that we are able to do what we need to do. So this might mean that some jobs don't get done. We might need to take a break from obligations that we have. Just like we have a financial budget, we have an energy budget. We need to be just as thoughtful about how we spend our time and energy as we are about our money. 
We pay attention to how we spend money in our lives, spending money on groceries, entertainment, childcare, travel. We also need to think about how we're spending our time and energy. We have to do chores, we've got to do our work, we spend time with family and friends, and we have other obligations. We need to make sure that there's me time in there, otherwise we're going to burn out. So we might need to free up some time. And that might mean asking someone to watch our kids, or we hire someone to clean our house, or we aren't as active in the community as we used to be. And that's okay. We go through different seasons in our lives, and over the course of our lives we'll have opportunities to do lots of different things. If we really want to do something, we can always come back to it when we have an opening, but we can't do everything all the time, just like we can't buy everything we want. Self-care can mean making some tough decisions, but these are important decisions to make. You deserve to have enough energy to do everything you want and need to do. You deserve not to be burned out, anxious, irritated, and physically uncomfortable. Sometimes people tell me, I don't even know what I could do to make myself feel better, or they tell me, there's only one or two things that make me feel better, and I can only do them once in a while. It might be hard or even impossible for some people who are really overwhelmed to identify several things that make them feel delight and joy on the spot, and that's okay. It might take some time to identify things that make you feel good. The point is, it's really important to have several, and I would say 8 to 12 things or more that you know that help you relax. And I say 8 to 12 or more because I want there to be backups and alternatives. Sometimes my buddies are busy and I can't hang out with them. Sometimes it's too rainy to go for a walk. Sometimes Netflix won't load on my TV and I can't watch Community. That's why backups are great. The more activities that you know that bring you happiness that you're aware of, the better prepared you are. And in terms of mental health, I consider the boundaries wide open. As long as what you are doing is sustainable and you can manage the costs or consequences that are associated with it, go for it. Sorry, running over people who are walking too slow in the crosswalk is not a good method of self-care. But otherwise, as long as it makes you feel good, go for it. Some people feel limited by what their friends or family want to do. And sometimes we do things with other people that's fun for them. But if something isn't fun for us, if it doesn't leave us feeling better, then it's not self-care. It's just another task, and it's taking our energy. Watching somebody else eat does not make us less hungry. And yeah, there are a bunch of companies out there who want to sell us stuff, and they tell us it's self-care. Is it? Well, it depends. For some people, getting a new gadget or clothes or going out to eat or getting a massage is self-care. Maybe somebody enjoys traveling, and yeah, that costs money. So yes, spending money can be part of effective self-care. The question is, does it make you feel better? It might take a few days or even a few weeks for someone to come up with answers to the question, what makes you feel good, but that time is well spent. It's also worth recognizing that over time, what brings us joy may change. Our list needs to be updated from time to time. I'm going to talk a little bit more about self-care strategies in the next episode, but these topics covered here today are a good place to start. Remember, we all have a limited amount of energy to do the things we need to do. If we don't have enough, we start having problems with internalizing symptoms like depression or anxiety, externalizing symptoms like irritability or destroying property, or semantic symptoms like having headaches or stomach aches. Self-care is the act of recharging our minds so we have the energy to do the things we want to do. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and be good to yourself. Bye-bye. On behalf of Alina Health and Change to Chill, we thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We do hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope that you join us in other episodes covering even more interesting topics with mental health providers. As always, you can find the show notes and any accompanying research and tools at the Change to Chill website at www.changetochill.org. In health and in wellness, take care and see you next time.